0: this is Rachel Gable, and this is the Fence Post Magazine, and this is your podcast for the 24th of September. This week, ag labor is on my mind. It's the kind of ag labor that makes all of those things that are so purely Colorado happen. Palisade peaches, Rocky Ford melons, Pueblo chilies, Colorado lamb. All of that is on the chopping block with this new ag labor bill, and I got to visit with a wool and lamb grower in California, and she said California is very much the cautionary tale. You can find that story and lots others in Monday's Fence Post for the 27th of September. If you've been around me for any period of time, you've probably heard me say that if you're not on the at the table, you're on the menu. And never has that been so so true as in Colorado Ag in the last several years. The Colorado Fruit and Vegetable Growers Association came uh, forward with a letter regarding Senate Bill 87 asking whether that might be the final nail in the coffin for Colorado produce growers. And I'm here to tell you, after a conversation with a sheep and wool grower in California, it's a cautionary tale out there, and I think it might be. Uh, the Colorado Fruit and Vegetable Growers Association letter is in this week's Fence Post, and it talks about how some of the things that we love here in Colorado could be coming to an end with this Farmworker Bill of Rights that was that was introduced and passed and signed by Governor Jared Polis. Pueblo chilies, Palisade Peaches, Sweet Corn, Rocky Ford Melons, Colorado Lamb, all of these things will be seriously affected by this labor law. Now, I'm sure that there are bad apples in the bunch. But I think for the most part, the vast majority of Colorado agriculture producers treat their labor well. Um, And I think that we see evidence of that when the same guys are coming back to pick peaches for Bruce Talbot and Palisade year after year after year. When the same guys are coming up to be herders for Theoses and be out with their sheep from peru year after year after year i don't think that's a coincidence and and they're here to make money to work a lot of hours make a lot of money send it home and come back next year so they're they're not with their families they're not hoping to to work only 40 hours a week so they can spend the weekend home with their families their families aren't here they're here to make money but i'll get right into this We're not quite sure yet what this overtime provision of paying overtime over 40 hours a week might look like. Now, there was lots of uh, testimony in favor of this bill that, you know, will jerk at the at the heartstrings. But here's the bottom line. Colorado is very different than California and some other states. California has uh, a longer season and. California and Colorado are facing similar overtime restrictions. However, in California, they have a longer growing season. There's more crops. You can double crop things. There's more reliable weather. Uh, A lot of the farms are larger, making mechanization more possible. Uh, So 10,000 California farms have been driven from the state in the last decade. But... Bruce Talbot, who is the president of the Colorado Fruit and Vegetable Growers Association and a Palisade peach producer, and a good friend and a pretty smart guy, Bruce Talbot said that where this is going to hurt is in the pockets of ag employees. He said his non-management employees are accustomed to making upwards of forty-five hundred per month during peak season. That in this uh, with this restriction, their pay will be cut to twenty-five fifty. So a 57% cut if they have to restrict them to 40 hours per week. Neither the seasonal nor the year-round employees can handle the cut in pay. Uh, another one, uh, Glenn Heracotta down in Rocky Ford, he said that produce growers of all sizes and types of production will be, will be impacted. And they're unable to pass the input costs on in their goods and services because we all know that farmers are price takers not price makers. So now I spoke to a gal in California and her dad has let me see here. Her dad has a lamb and wool operation. And several years ago, she bought bought her own operation, which is Star Creek Land Stewards. It's a targeted grazing operations. So she grazes goats and sheep in California for wildfire mitigation. If you've paid any attention this summer or, you know, any summer, you know that it was a terrible, horrible wildfire year this year in California. The irony of this is not lost on Andresaurus. She knows that grazing be it targeted or just in a commercial operation is wildfire mitigation. She also knows that the California law is going to put a lot of these uh producers out of business. And without the grazing, there's less fire mitigation. The irony of this happening in a state known for wildfires is not being missed by Andre. She's she's here for it. She, <laughs> She recognizes it, but she said that the lawmakers and the governor of her state of California just lack the fortitude to make anything happen. She utilizes over 7,000 head of sheep and goats and also manages her her father's operation. That grazing far eclipses the income that's uh, made just from the sheep and wool. So the grazing is really where her paycheck is, but she depends on a lot of H-2A workers, a lot of um, ag labor. She depends on herders who are here on an H-2A, and she depends on shearers, which are also typically here on an H-2A. And without those, it can't happen. Here in Colorado, we have um, Anthony Theos, who is I think he's a fourth generation lamb producer. His grandfather came from Greece and bought the original place knowing that it would be good sheep country. He's a stockman. He recognized that. And um, today, Anthony is one of the ones running it and he has uh, herders that come on an H2A from Peru. So he said that for his business, um, they already, so he, he supplies the sheep camps. Those are outfitted with solar panels to run lights and charge cell phones, which he pays for. Portable DVD players, which he pays for. Propane, he pays for. Wood burning stove, he pays for. Food <clears throat> for cooking, he pays for. Everything in the supply camp, horse tack, tools, rain gear, sheepdog quarters, sheepdogs, other other supplies all of that which the rancher pays for these herders from peru are on three-year visas all of the fees the visa and the plane tickets back and forth to peru he pays for and uh, these are all guys that are like part of his family they're on multiple contracts they're on three-year h2a visas so they're here for like two and a half years and then they go back to peru they have to be there for 90 days And then they can come back. They've had some of these same herders for 20, 30 years. So uh, they're like part of the family. But he said there comes a point where you just can't afford it. You either have to cut back or sell your herd. And either way, your men lose. They lose their jobs. They lose the money they sent back to Peru. And their families lose the money. So it's not, you know, Anthony Theo said he can kind of manage around this. But his guys can't. So it's like cutting off the, it's just like the fire thing in California. They're cutting off their nose to spite their face. So the Colorado Fruit and Vegetable Growers Association, wool growers, you know, all of the ag groups are asking that you do speak up about this. And they're looking for input from ag labor. And they're looking for Coloradans to speak in support of Colorado produce farms, ag employees jobs by weighing in on what I've told you, several times has been an ill-conceived bill. If you remember, it was one that was introduced by uh, Democratic Senator Jesse Danielson, who is from Wheat Ridge. She completely sprung it on uh, the ag groups. There was no, no reading it over. There was no stakeholder um, opportunity for stakeholders to have any input. They just sprung it on ag and it's a bad bill. It's a bad bill, but it went through, and it's just one more one more challenge, one more attack on rural Colorado. Right now, a lot of the portions of the bill was sent to rulemaking, so those are being uh, that that process is going now. If you can if you would like to write comments to the CDLE, um, you can do that online. Uh, If you look for Agricultural Labor Rights and Responsibilities Public Comment, uh, I can put a link up, but there's there's a form that you can fill out. And it's not that we want ag workers to be treated poorly. That's not the goal. But there needs to be some recognition that ag is different. Ag has different needs. It's seasonally driven. And it's not like waiting tables at a restaurant, it's different. So to continue to be uh, producers here in the state, to continue to drive the economy with the billions of dollars that ag is responsible for driving into the economy and to continue to have the safest, most affordable, most abundant food supply in the world, it's time that we stand up. So that's your call to action today. You need to look at in, into, <clears throat> excuse me, you need to look into some public comment there. And let's see if we can't get some recognition that Ag is different and needs to be treated as such. I'm Rachel Gable. You can find that story and lots more in this week's Fence Post. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.